I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my name is Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket Limp Podcast. This week, we've got an awards special episode for you. Yes, the EE Pocket Limp Awards looks to reward those devices that are best in class, best of the best this year. And over the years, these awards have honored the best products across a range of categories from companies like Apple, Samsung, Tesla, Huawei, and others. And this year is no different. We've got a banner year. There are 19 category winners, an EE Superfast Award, and the all-important Product of the Year 2019. Amazing stuff. Right, joining me to go through the winners is Pocketlint editor Chris Hall and Reviews editor Mike Lowe. The winners have been cited by a panel of expert judges from the industry and you, the public. And over the next 30 minutes, uh, we're going to be talking through the winners, why they're great, why you should consider getting them. So let's start with what we like to call at home. Chris, why don't you give us a walkthrough of the categories in this section? Yes, Stuart. The at home section is a breakdown of devices that you're most likely to have around the house. And there are five of them, and they come in as the best speaker, the best smart home device, the best TV, the best sound bar, and the best security camera. And you can see that they ha- all have this sort of cluster around the home. That's the kind of place that you're going to see some of these devices. And so, Mike, what's, uh, what's, what's what give us some of the winners? There's a whole variety. So um, some surprises, some not perhaps. Uh, best TV was the Philips OLED Plus 984. Um, which is actually quite quite an interesting one because it's it's a it's a big old beast. It's a really really good looking telly. Um, I think it stands out compared to some of the other sets that were in that category because it just offers some distinctive things um, like Ambilight, which is this kind of edge illumination system where it kind of like extends the picture beyond the frame itself. Um, so it just gives that an extra different edge. It's got like really significant sound in it as well. So. And this is the this is the TV that's got the Bowers and Wilkins. They've kind of Phillips have said, "Look, you guys can do sound better than us," and they've gone that way. Exactly. They? Yes. So it's you know it's got really some of the best sound you could expect out of a TV straight out of the box, um, which is you know a different USP compared to what many are, are putting out there. Now, one of the other things that won in this category was best security camera uh, goes to the Ring Video Doorbell Two. Chris, I know you're a big fan of the Doorbell Two. Uh, do you think this is a, a deserved winner in that crowded market? I think it is. And I, I think when you walk down the street, the Ring Video Doorbell 2 is one of the devices that you see. It just It's a, something that people have said, yes, I understand exactly what this is going to do. It fills that smart home gap where, where people are saying, I need this task performing for me. And Ring Video Doorbell does that extremely well. It's a couple of years old. And so it might be the surprise that it's winning this year, but it's still just as valid now as it has been in the past. I think also just the, the down to the dates, you know, things have evolved quite differently over, over recent years. So products have a, a kind of longer legacy. You, you get software updates, um, things advance over time. So although it's a couple of years old, it still feels very, very current. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting seeing how, how the market's kind of shifting to that, that software route. 
Now, one of the great things about our awards is that we obviously have a say, the three of us, we're three judges, but we also have a huge industry panel of judges, and they sometimes don't necessarily vote for things that we want to win. And obviously, then the public comes in involved. Now, I know, Mike, you're a big fan of the name Musso. Yeah. That comes in as a recommended this year. Do you think that's uh, annoying for you, or is that deserved that Wonder, Wonder Boom 2 won instead? I mean, they're, they're very different things. So, you know, kudos to the Wonder Boom. But that, that for me is a much more portable device. It's a great little thing. Um, whereas the name, if you're really wanting something to, you know, sit down, put your feet up, and have some great quality, then uh, it's just a, it's a fantastic speaker. Um, the name, as in what it's called, um, is uh, QB, as in cube, because it's got this kind of cube shape, really interesting kind of industrial kind of style to it. Um, I just think it, it'll fit into like, any home. It, it looks great. It sounds great. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sort of disappointed that didn't win. But um, like I say, that's that's the way these things fall sometimes. And that's why we have this open panel. And uh, that's, that's the way it goes. Now, Chris, the final one uh, we want to talk about before we move on to the next section is the best smart home device, uh, Amazon Echo Show 5. Does that kind of show us that we're seeing more of these sort of uh, countertop camera kind of all-encompassing devices in the home? Yeah, I mean, this is a good reflection of the change that the Echo is going through, having launched as the smart speaker and kind of inventing the smart speaker category. They then moved over with the Echo Show and have now expanded to have three different sizes of Echo Show We've seen the similar move from Google. They have the uh, the Nest Hub, the Nest Hub Max, and there are various other small versions where you have a smart device with a screen in it as well. Perfect for putting in your home, giving you information, helping you find recipes. The Echo Show 5 just happens to be an incredibly cute size. It's ridiculously affordable, which happens to be, which which is often the way with, with Amazon Echo devices. So I think it's a deserved winner, and I suspect that there's going to be a lot of these sold through Christmas. Right, now that gives us a lovely way to move on to uh, the next section which we're going to cover uh, in the awards, which is our on-the-go category. Mike, can you walk us through that? Sure, yeah. So this is everything really you're going to have with you or be using when you're out and about. Um, we've got the best flagship phone, the best phone under £500 as a separate category. Then there's the best tablet or two-in-one, best laptop, and the thing that might get you to where you're going, best car. Cool. And Chris, what's your highlights here? I think one of the interesting things here is the way that uh, Apple has found its way back into form with the iPhone 11 Pro. Uh, although Apple has always put out fantastic uh, flagship smartphones, it was too easy to point to them and say, well, it doesn't do this and it doesn't do this and it doesn't do this. And in 2019, the iPhone 11 Pro made sure that it came in and did everything, especially in the camera department. And while a lot of the, a lot of the features that the iPhone deliver are similar to previous years, the reinvention of the camera, the addition of lensing lenses, uh, the ramp up of night shooting and stuff like that has completely transformed where this sits in the market as a uh, phone for taking pictures with. Yeah, I think. I mean, I also think it's quite interesting that the judges and the public have voted for the 11 Pro, obviously over the uh, Huawei P30 Pro, but then given Apple best tablet as well. I mean, this is an area they dominate in. It's gone to the iPad Air. And so kind of as a, to me, that, that kind of makes sense as a, as a joint combo of, of an iPhone and a, an iPad on the go kind of is quite a nice little sort of ecosystem play there. I think it also shows that the rest of the tablet market has kind of fallen away a little bit. If you're going to recommend a tablet to somebody, 
there are not very many options left. You go back five years and everybody was producing lots and lots of different tablets. And now Apple has emerged with the iPad in different sizes and different forms and positions to be the dominant player in that market. And it's only really matched at the very budget end of the scale by the by the Amazon Fire and devices like that, which are exceptionally affordable, but don't offer anywhere near the scope or performance that the iPad does. Now, Mike, we've uh, you've been to China a few times this year. I know, looking at different uh, launches from Honor and Xiaomi and and uh, lots of other players. Do you th- are you surprised by the Google Pixel three A winning best phone under five hundred pounds two thousand nineteen this year? Um, maybe, maybe not. You know, it's it's a good little phone. Uh, I would say it's perhaps a little bit expensive, but it, it ticks the boxes that people want. And again, that also has a good camera. Um, if we're reflecting on the Chinese market or the Chinese makers, at least the runner up here was the OnePlus seven, which again is a Chinese maker. And I'm quite surprised that didn't take, take the top ticket. Actually. Um, my vote in there was for the, um, the Xiaomi. So, you know, it's, it's interesting seeing how there's uh, kind of a different mixture of support and actually going back to what you were saying about even the, the iPhone and just how that's kind of dominating and, and it's doing well in the, the photography side of things. It's actually a little bit later than some of these these other players. You know, the the Huawei P30 Pro is one to not be written off at all um, as a runner up in that category. It's got some really great cameras. It does some things or did some things first. You know, so th- there's a lot of technology coming out of China. There's a, a lot of respect for it, I think, and uh, we'll, we'll see how things evolve over the next couple of years because obviously there's been all kinds of crazy things going on with. Um, kind of US sanctions and bans and so on that's putting some of these companies into slightly different positions at the moment. Now, Chris, you have been driving a lot of uh, cars this year, and I know Mike has and and other members of the team. It felt like it was a it was an all-electric best car. And what about the winner? Who, who won for best car 2019? Well, the best car for 2019 went to the Nissan Leaf E+. For those following the Nissan Leaf story, they'll know that this is the second generation of the Leaf. So they've been in the electric car game for a long time. And this is the extended range version that they have have brought out more recently. I have spent a lot of time driving electric cars this year. And I think electric cars are really, really exciting at the moment. People are quick to say, oh, no, but there's you know problems about range anxiety and all the rest of it. But you just see the way that people like Tesla are shaking it up. And we thought that Tesla was going to walk over this with the Model 3. Mm. But it seems that the judges went a different way. And all I can really guess is that the Leaf uh, from Nissan has come through because it has that heritage of having been around for a long time. And the Nissan Leaf is still one of the best-selling electric cars in Europe. We've got to remember that. In second place, also worth talking about, the runner-up was the Kia e-Niro. And Kia has really been shaking things up in Europe and the UK over the past few years. And it's really grabbed a lot of share, both in conventional engines as well as now with emerging electronic uh, electric cars, they have put a lot of time and investment into it. And the thing that strikes me about the Kia e-Niro is that you get a lot of range for your money. Um, it's a, it's uh, it, it just all seems to come together really well. And some people might be surprised that Kia have managed to do this just as well as they have. And I think that's the thing for me with this section as well, is the, the Nissan Leaf's, what, £36,000? I think the Kia's, what, 32, 33. You know, yeah. the and even the Tesla Model 3 is is kind of a little bit more expensive. And maybe that's what's, you know, it's a great car. But I think maybe that's what people have put people off. It's just it's not as affordable uh, as the Leaf and, and the Enero. And I suspect the judges and the public have voted with the fact that you can now get affordable 
electric cars, you know, that have a decent range and all and tick all the boxes uh, for for your money. I think that's exactly it. And I and with cars especially, affordability is a huge part of the market. I mean, we we have a wide range of very expensive cars that are coming up to like eighty, ninety thousand pounds or dollars, um, but. It's the affordable end of the market where things are really being shaken up at the moment. Okay, now one of the interesting things I noticed with the Tesla this year was it now has Netflix in it, which brings me wonderfully on to our next uh, category, uh, section of categories, entertainment. Mike, can you walk us through yes, this? Indeed. Um, so this is kind of all the fun stuff that you get to do, be at home, perhaps even on the go. Um, we've got the best gaming or VR device, best game of 2019, the best gaming laptop, which is a new category for us, and the best streaming device. And Chris, what are your standouts here? Well, I was immediately drawn to best streaming device because the winner in this category was Sky Q. And I honestly didn't think that Sky Q was going to be considered as a streaming device when so much of it has been so much of SkyQ has been geared towards recording. But I think this really cha- this really reflects the change that Sky is going through in the way that Sky users are using their boxes. And I know, Stuart, you have SkyQ. Yeah. Um, are you streaming a lot more through it? Yeah, so I, I think there's two ways we're doing this. One is that um, obviously we've, we've put Netflix through it because they added that this year, which is obviously a big change. You can sort of start to see programs not only from Netflix, you know, around there. So that's fine. Uh, But also, you know, they've improved the app. They've just launched a new Sky sort of on the go app, which obviously allows you to access uh, the Sky boxes and things from obviously either at home. So if you're in the bath or in the bedroom or whatever, or but also on the go. And I think it's just that I've been a SkyQ customer for a long time. I think it's just the ease and simplicity of of how all this stuff works. That said, there are interesting plays coming up from the likes of Roku, uh, from the Amazon Fire Stick stuff, which is kind of and, and TVs as well, which is kind of trying to shake all that that up. I think from my point of view, and this is someone who doesn't use SkyQ, it's that one device that gives you an entry point to content that you want is is what's going to rule everything. Um, most of these things do approximately the same thing, be it you know uh, an Apple TV, a Roku streaming stick, um, whatever it is you might have. I think the one thing that stands out with Sky is they've kind of got some partnerships and some different content. So uh, HBO Sky made uh, Chernobyl, for example, and that's been an outstanding show. And I think people just really want ease of access and just good content. And, and that's probably part of the reason that this uh, took the crown, I think. Definitely. Now, Mike, you play a lot of games. I know, unfortunately, your uh, Nintendo Switch blew up about two weeks ago, didn't it? Probably playing it too much. Didn't actually explode, explode. But um, yeah, it, it's it's done a couple of years and it's it's sadly died. So um, I'm actually prepping it to be boxed up right now. But that one, best gaming VR device, do you think that's because the sort of Sony and Xboxes are in a wind down at the moment in preparation for the big launches next year? Yeah, it's a mixture of things, really. So obviously, PS Five is is official, and that'll be a holiday twenty twenty um, release. So I'd imagine there'll be some massive games scheduled to launch alongside that. It means we're probably going to be in a quieter period for now. But I think the thing with the Switch, it just it's just amazing. Like it, it just kind of it's totally almost reinvented kind of mobile portable gaming for for the modern generation. Really, you see people using them all over the place. Um, and it just just has great games on it. So 
I think really, again, it's down to the content. You know, there's been new games coming out, be it um, the remake of Zelda Link's Awakening, um, which is fantastic, or some of the, the newer um, original titles. You know, there's there's so much content there. But side to this, there's the whole VR thing, which um, didn't really get as much of a look in here by, by the way that people voted. And I, I think myself that perhaps VR's time has never quite taken off. And, and I wonder if it ever will. Chris, what do you think of? Uh, are you are you ready to don an Oculus or uh, or something else? Or I, I'm, this has been really interesting because we've been through the cycle. Uh, we went through it with 3D TV, and now we're going through it with VR headsets. And I see them very much of an evolution of the same thing. Um, not necessarily new technologies, but newly implemented. And every time people say it's going to be slightly isolating in creating an immersive world, you're cutting yourself off from reality. And they had the, the virtual reality headset manufacturers are doing all sorts of things to try and make sure that's not the case, but they just still don't seem to stick with the general public in the same way that other things do. People are still gaming on the go with the switch and the new switch light. People are now moving over to gaming on tablets and phones a lot more than they were before staying at home, having full room scale motion tracking and stuff like that. It works for some people, but in terms of mass market gaming, I I don't think that it's going to get adopted quite at the pace that people once expected. And you mentioned the Switch Lite, which um, slightly missed that cutoff point for, for this year's awards, but I suspect that'll be a massive deal for, for gaming coming into Christmas. And it's just, it's more accessible. You know, you, you buy it for a a fair sum of money it's not too crazily expensive and then you've got a load of titles you can access um and have a you know great time just playing on the go i think that's yeah great. i think i mean that that to me kind of hits that even more suitable for sort of right we're buying it for the kids for you know big christmas present or big birthday present yeah. and you know it's it, it although it's only what i think 40 quid cheaper or something than the, the regular one it's 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 considerably you know that makes a big difference on a birthday purchase it's another game isn't it you yeah. get on top of that and it's not just for the kids. That's the great thing about it. It, it straddles those those two worlds of you know young and old. I think it, it hits the nail on the head for that. Now, having sat around playing games and immersing yourself in different things or just watching back-to-back The Crown, uh, you probably should get out and do some exercise. So, Chris, I know you're a keen runner. What is, uh, what's in the fitness and lifestyle section this year? This category covers off wearables and lifestyle things uh, so we have the best fitness tracker we have the best smartwatch that we are keeping separate although they trying to they seem to be trying to get closer and closer together every year we have two headphone categories so we differentiate between on-air headphones and in-ear headphones and finally we have best camera mike talk us through uh what's best camera let's go let's start with that one that's uh that's always a good you're i know you're a camera expert uh, yeah, so slightly uh, not to keep you fit as such, but uh, the, the winner this year was the Fuji X-T3. Um, so it's it's a great, 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 great camera. You know, it, it it just does everything that you would need without it being crazily expensive. And it's kind of interesting watching this market change over the years because it slowed down a lot, you know, like talking earlier about the phones and how those are seen as being so outstanding now. Uh, people are just not investing quite so much so these manufacturers are having to make things that like do everything but also tick the kind of traditional boxes and with the st3 you've got built-in viewfinder you've got a decent screen on the back you've got this kind of retro styling so you can take full control the screen flips out um 
it's got a very distinctive sensor and it, you know the image quality is fantastic so this is just one of those kind of for the enthusiast it just sits in the perfect spot and it, it kind of really represents the category well cool now chris fitness trackers smartwatches. so there's obviously a contention here as you said about how whether we should keep them separate whether we need to fold them in together are you uh what do you think of the winners i'm happy with the winners um which is great because i don't have a choice really anyway but i i'll i'll be happy to admit that my vote did go for the garmin fenix 6 pro which is which was the device that won um garmin has put out a huge number of fitness devices they do cross that divide and provide a lot of smartwatch functionality as well i've spoken about this before on the podcast um I think it, when you get to this level, there is kind of only one device that's doing this, and it beats back a lot of its opposition from from Fitbit and Polar and, and all the other sports companies. No one really quite gets close enough to Garmin, so I wasn't surprised by that. Um, Fitbit Inspire HR, which is uh, which is one of their new fitness trackers, came in as a recommended, and again, that's not that's not such a surprise because Fitbit knows exactly what it's doing. I wonder what it will be doing now that it's uh, lined up to be acquired by Google in the future. Moving on to the best smartwatch, though, Apple Watch Series Five. You see Apple Watches everywhere. People are using them for fitness, as we said, but they just seem to have. It's the smartwatch that seems to now typify smartwatches. Um, and Apple keeps adding small updates and constantly releasing new versions and driving down the prices. And it kind of looks at the moment like we're going for complete Apple Watch domination in smartwatches. Interestingly, the runner-up was the very expensive Tag Heuer Connected Modular 41, where you'd probably need about twice as much as you twice as much money as you'd need to buy an Apple Watch. But uh, that seems to be the way the market is shaking down. It's interesting kind of watching this evolve from kind of an outside point of view because I'm, I'm not a watch guy at all. Um, but really what Apple's managed to do here is, is kind of the same as done with the iPad. You know, you don't talk about tablets so much as people that have iPads. And really you see people with an Apple Watch. And I'm not even sure they would think about a smartwatch in a, in a wider kind of sphere. It's basically Apple Watch or traditional maker that makes a, slightly more intelligent classic watch and i think that's kind of the differentiation in this category it's really you get the classic stuff like the tag or you get apple and there's not really much else in between yeah and i think what's interesting for me is i was was reading a really interesting article earlier in the week it was this concept that that apple has taken has sort of taken all the good the unique selling point of the fitbit for example this idea of a basic tracker on your wrist and just made that one of the features of the watch and garmin has focused very much on delivering for the sort of not necessarily elite runner but someone that is doing more running than just maybe a 5k every now and then and so that's commandeered the market very well in that section and fitbit's kind of been squeezed by both of these companies in the middle obviously google's now in the process of trying to buy it and so it'd be interesting to see whether that changes things but i think certainly for smartphone as as chris as you say it's it's kind of apple watch if you're a regular person that wants to you know check your fitness every day get some notifications on your wrist and, and maybe open your macbook without having to you know type a password and the garmin is for those that like yourself who go running every day and you know really want some sort of you know decent stats beyond what you just you know just some basic yeah. things mike talk us through headphones very quickly um are you are you happy with these uh these, you know the, i mean they're a great pair of headphones can you tell us who won 
Sure. Um, so the winner of Best Headphones was the Bose Noise Cancelling Headphones 700. And they, that is their actual name. It says headphones in the title. Um, now, I've got these and I've got lots of headphones. And I, I use these constantly. They're the only thing I use. So, yes, I'm extremely pleased they won. And very well deserved as well because they've taken, I mean, Bose is a big player in the market, has been for a long time. Um, and they've just kind of really refined the design and refined the noise cancelling and just made this kind of more seamless looking and just great sounding pair of headphones that have incredible noise cancelling. Um, pop it onto number 10 and it just really drowns out kind of the outside world. And, and yeah, when you're on a plane or a train, it's, it's absolutely fantastic for that. So I use them all the time so I can get on with my work and uh, not get distracted. Um, for the in-ears, this, this is a little bit more contentious, I think. So I don't like using in-ear headphones myself too much. Um, our other guy, Cam, he's, he's the man for those. Um, so among this category, there's loads of actually really, really impressive ones. And this is a market that is picking up a lot. The winners were the Sony WF-1000X Mark III, um, which I'm told are fantastic. Um, elsewhere in that category, there's just so much. Um, We've uh, got the Powerbeats Pro from Beats that I thought would probably mm, win. I do as well. Again, kind of outstanding. Um, but even lesser known company names like the, there's the Libertone Track Air Plus, which I was using this year actually because, again, they are really, really impressive and very affordable. Um, so it's kind of a shame they didn't get more of a look in as well because I know last year that was the brand to, to take this category. I think it shows there's just so much evolution and, and just you know companies want this and, and people are very interested in these um in is perhaps in light of uh, airpods becoming more popular who knows chris i think what's interesting about the headphones is that sennheiser has crept in as uh, recommended for both sennheiser momentum sennheiser's been in the headphone uh in the headphone game for a long time and the momentum headphones are very very good and very very popular so if you can't quite stretch to uh, the Sony or the Bose, then it's definitely worth looking at uh, the Sennheiser Momentum, either the True Light Wireless or the Wireless 3. That's great. Thank you very much, Chris. Now, moving on to the not really final section, but the last two awards, and these are two very special awards. One is the EE Superfast Award 2019, and that's awarded to a piece of technology that we've seen as a team that has impressed us with its speed. Uh, previous winners have included the... Uh, Apple A12 and uh, Bionic chip and the Huawei Kirin 980, as well as the Apple W1 uh, chip that allowed the AirPods back in 2017 to be able to connect. The winner this year, Chris, is... It's the Qualcomm X50 5G modem. You do excite us with your 5G-ness. Uh, I, I, can, I can tell you all about it too if you want to know. Yeah, please, please. Well, this has, Qualcomm keeps on saying that 5G is here and this has been the year that we've seen 5G get switched on in the UK, in the US, China, globally. Um, and we've seen a full range of devices launched. A large number of those devices have the Qualcomm X50 modem in it. You can't just go out and buy one of these. It's, you know, <laughs> it's a piece of hardware that you need to have built into your phone by the manufacturer. But in this first run of 5G's devices, the majority of them have been using this. And it's hard to ignore the fact that 5G is coming along, is very, very impressive, 
in terms of the speed and the way that changes the device experience, meaning there's much more immediacy to some of the data intensive tasks that you may have done before. And this goes slightly beyond things like just whether you're going to stream a high resolution audio or video track. It goes into how quickly your apps can get the information that they need, you know, how quickly can your maps pop up with all of the information that you need to show you exactly where you are and things like this. There's going to be a lot of applications for 5G that we don't yet know about. And we, I have already seen that there is the X55 coming along, uh, which is the next modem. And there will be a lot more coming from Qualcomm on 5G, as well as other manufacturers in 5G in the future. But it's definitely, uh, it's definitely this is the sort of like the watershed moment for 5G. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've been following the uh, announcements of 5G this year, and, and it's nice to suddenly for it to be here and for people to be able to use it. And I think this, to me, kind of puts that sort of flagpole in for next year where we'll see, you know, there's already rumors of, you know, an iPhone 5G device later in the year. number of manufacturers are saying we're going to see cheaper 5G devices, which obviously will open up the market. And obviously at that point, you know, given 12 months of network rollout from all the networks in the UK and the US, you know, we'll see much greater coverage coverage from there. So I, I suspect 2020 is going to be a big year for 5G. And so it's great that, you know, the Superfast Award this year is, is kind of, of of setting the groundwork for that. Now, product of the year. Now, this is taken from all of the winners that we've uh, that have won their categories in the awards. And then a final vote is cast over what's the best product. And Mike, drum roll, please. Can you tell us who the product of the year 2019 is? Yes, indeed. So it is the Nissan Leaf E Plus, which I think is really quite exciting because it's sort of less obvious and more future-facing kind of vote. That's a really positive thing. I think it shows that cars are kind of really changing. I think it shows the desire for them to change is there. And yeah, it's just, it's really that, that turnaround moment. As much as we've got 5G going in one direction, the, the future, I think, is is kind of really cemented here with with a product like this. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's you know, and I think this is almost emulating the comments I've just made about five G. It's that sense of we're about to enter the year twenty twenty, which growing up as a child felt like it was way off in the future, and we'd never probably never get there. Um, but it's it's it feels that Nissan with the Leaf has obviously created something that's affordable, but also as a bigger picture, echoing Chris's comments earlier about about electric cars is it feels it's not about if we'll go electric it's about when we'll go electric and i think you know very quickly over the next decade we will see a number of you know that almost that concept of saying what you mean i had to put liquid into a car once what what's that about well it's like it's like digital cameras you know you think about film what what's that about when you think back to it it's kind of you know it barely exists and if you show kids different applications of things these days if you give them an old film camera they'll be looking at the back trying to work out where the photo is you know because there's no screen and <laughs> things just evolve things change and i think you know beyond nissan itself there's obviously huge investment from all kinds of manufacturers here so you know in the future it's, it's not just nissan it will be everyone and a lot of these car makers are, are collaborating to create platforms that they can use across different brands because they know that investment, you know, has to make a return. They want to make the best possible products they can um, that will be be affordable. And I think that's the key thing here, really, because there are so many electric cars, as we were talking about. You know, there's 
they've fancy Teslas. There's, there's, uh, you know, even Mercedes has just come into the market as well. But as Chris mentioned earlier, that's a lot more money and they are lovely to, to sit in for sure. They're lovely to drive around. But I think really the, the push that we're pointing out here is this kind of, um, sort of accessible sustainability, you know, that's, that's what we need to see more of in this industry as a whole, not just cars, but across tech. And this kind of really highlights that. Right, Chris, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to Mike as well, I'm going to ask you a really tough question, Hi. which uh, you're not going okay. to like. And it, worst case scenario, if it doesn't work, I'll just cut it out later in that sort of have I got news <laughs> for you kind of moment. Um, right. Of all of the winners and of all of the recommended, if I was going to buy you one of these, mm-hmm your lucky day that you don't already have or use on a regular basis what would it be chris let's go with you first (laughs) okay i'm just going to fill in some gaps here whilst i browse over this list (laughs) in my mind thinking about what i need it would be too easy to say the car and i doubt that i would get that (laughs) but i think I think I would probably have to go for the Philips OLED TV because oh, look at you. I don't have an OLED TV. I do have a 4K TV, but it's now it's one of the first generation 4K TVs. It's pretty old. So I think I deserve the reward. Of a Philips OLED plus 984. Okay. And, and Mike, what would you go for? So I'm not allowed to own it currently. No. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I would go for the Bose if I didn't have them. Um, yeah, but you've, because, you've got, that's why I've, that's why I've posed that question. Um, maybe the Nintendo Switch counts because mine's broken. So <laughs> I, would buy, I would buy it again because it's that good. There we yeah. go. And just in fairness, I I would probably go for the Bose. Yeah, I think you've sold sold me on those. I, I you know I get on a plane quite probably once a month, and uh, maybe I need to upgrade my noise cancelling headphones just to to drone out those screaming babies. You should. Brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. That's it for this week. If you've enjoyed the show, can you please give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform you're listening on? It really will help raise our profile and let others know you liked it too. Until next Friday, pip pip.